Welcome back to Between the Banners, your UNC basketball podcast on the Tar Heel Blog podcast, hosted by the SB Nation Podcast Network and the written gospel at tarheelblog.com. Carolina's a football school now, but we're going to talk about some round ball. Joining me are Joe Carpenter from Norfolk, Virginia, where I got to unfortunately visit last Monday. Joe, how are you, sir? Uh, doing well. Wish the team was doing a little better, but uh, holiday-wise, came through unscathed and uh, happy to be joining you in the new year. Yes, sir. It is uh, it is quite an accomplishment, especially uh, for, a, for a family man like yourself to come through the holidays unscathed. So glad to, glad to hear you on the other side. Uh, good to hear your voice. Also joining me, Al Hood, multi-time caller. Al, what's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, in honor of Joe being on the uh, on the podcast, got a nice uh, nice glass of some Kentucky whiskey right here, and figured it would really help our discussion of basketball tonight. Yeah, it turns out we need to pour a drink for this one. Uh, the Heels lost ninety six to eighty three against Georgia Tech on Saturday at home. I was going to tune into the game, and I checked the score app, and it was thirty to eight. So I found uh, other things to do. Um, Al, I think you were in kind of a similar situation. So, Joe, I'm going to start with you. What did you see in the Georgia Tech game that kind of gave you the most concern just in the scheme of that game and then moving forward? Yeah, you know, the first thing is I, there was a lot of effort concern, honestly. It, there's one thing when the shots aren't falling, and, and clearly early the shots weren't falling, and frankly for the last 30 minutes it really turned around and they hit just about everything that they threw up, and that's why they end up with a field goal percentage just under 43 for the game, uh, Carolina did. But it, there just wasn't a lot of effort. It did, No loose balls. They were not getting to the 50-50 ball. They were not making good stands on defense. Uh, the, the pressure, particularly in the second half, did uh, turn into some turnovers and some quick buck, buckets, and, that, and that's why they you know, end up putting up 83 points on the board. But to give up 96 to a Georgia Tech team that comes in with a losing record and is averaging, I think, in the high 60s, uh, that, that really tells you that they just were not there on defense. It was just a lot of, lot of looking around. Roy Williams went deep into the bench to try to find somebody to come out with some energy and somebody that could make some plays, and they just looked tentative all night. Yeah, I was going to say the upshot of this is, you know, after the first six or seven games where the heels didn't crack 80, at least they did that, uh, you know, but we're really grasping for straws there. Um, Al, you know, basically with the injuries this team suffered, is this a fixable situation at this point uh, with Anthony Harris out for the year? Cole Anthony still out for the foreseeable future. Uh, we have not seen anything from Sterling Manley. Um is this a situation where the roster construction was just completely flawed or is this something that they can crawl out of? I mean, that is two separate questions. Um, oh yeah. So we got time. if we're talking, yeah, if we're talking about this year, um, I think that yes, they absolutely can crawl out of it because as our colleague Brandon likes to constantly point out every Monday, uh, college basketball right now is drunker than we will be by the end of this podcast. Um, the uh there just aren't many good teams in college basketball this year there's a decent chance that the acc will not get a lot of teams in the ncaa tournament so and there are still 17 acc games left for this team and there's still a lot of games against mediocre to bad competition so um is it possible that this is fixable and that they can get out of it? Absolutely, because 
uh, once you get to a situation where you figure out who can do what, then you start to get some consistency. The problem is, as you mentioned, any time that it feels like that they've got some sort of hold on what they have and what the lineups are going to be and who can contribute, someone gets hurt and ends up missing time. Uh, it started with B-Rob in, P- in, uh, in the preseason. Um, then you had Baycott. Then you had Cole. Um, now you've got uh, Harris. Um, and it just – any time that they've been able to get any sort of momentum um, – you just can't get they they can't get rolling, uh, and you're probably I mean you're probably playing with a uh, unhealthy leaky black. He's out there probably feeling like he has to play right now. Uh, pretty much every observer on Twitter who watched the game on Saturday night just said he doesn't look like he's playing like he's confident as if he's healthy. And Baycott, bless him for coming back as early as he did, but it's probably the same situation. Maybe he's not a hundred percent, but he knows how thin and desperate the situation is for Carolina and is trying to gut it out, and that's messing with his confidence right now. Um, so, you know, it. I'm not going to rule anything out, but at the same time, they need to start getting some people back or at the very least stop losing people and get to the point to where the same lineups can actually stay on the floor. People will know their roles. The people that are expecting to con- you've expected to contribute actually start contributing, and we st- we finally started seeing that with Brooks uh, in his effort at the end of the game on Saturday. Even though Roy says he's still ge- he's still graded out as a negative defensively, at least he put up the points to help lead that comeback. Um, you know, you need more of that. You need the grad transfers to start showing up. You need um, Francis to continue to hold the fort down while waiting for Cole. And you need to start winning some of these winnable games or else it's going to get to a point to where the folks are very loudly going to say to Cole Anthony that he shouldn't even bother coming back, even if he's healthy to do so. And if that happens, the the season's not only sunk, it's going to be worse than 2010. You're not even, don't even talk about the NIT. The ACC tournament will be the end of their season. Yeah, and I don't think there's any chance that Cole Anthony doesn't come back. He's a competitor. Uh, his dad, Greg's a competitor. He already shot that down once. And really, if you look at it, I mean, this is a team – it's really the most absurd non-conference schedule I've ever seen with losses to Michigan, who spent time in the top five, Ohio State, who did likewise, Virginia, who I believe is still there right now, uh, Gonzaga, who is sitting at number one in the country. Really, the only two questionable losses have been Wofford and Georgia Tech. So, Joe, you know, I'll, I'll kind of kick it back to you here. What 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 is the ideal situation just uh, with personnel? Because really, from where I sit, Garrison Brooks is the only known quantity on this roster right now, just with Leakey being not quite 100%, B-Rob contributing, but, you know, kind of, you know, I mean, he'll score his points in spurts and then, you never really quite know what you're going to get from him. So what what are the known quantities or what do you see as, you know, how they can write the ship going forward? Yeah, good, good question. I, I will say a couple of things. First of all, uh, also on the, I don't know if it was injury or disciplinary, I didn't see, but Playtech was in street clothes uh, against uh, Georgia Tech as well. So that tells you that, you know, that's just one more uh, person down on the bench who clearly was throwing a lot of time early in the season was not Wait. playing. Joe, I, got I do know that that was injury. Um, guys, he couldn't play tech. I'm sorry. 
I'm fired now. Um, sorry, Joe, continue. That is literally the worst pun I've ever heard on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Even on that, you got me. Okay. Can I also Cheers, just Joey. say, oh, my gosh. And we all drink. Uh, one other note, uh, Virginia down to, I think, 18 this week. And so they're not quite as good as I think we all collectively believe that they are. I'm not contesting that Carolina's had a very, very tough non-con schedule, but in uh, in early season schedule with Virginia, obviously. But it, but it just it tells you that this team has just had issues. And so, you know, looking forward, I I don't know where the answers are. This is a team that has had, I think now, 56 practices, 57 practices in Roy Williams' terms, and and tells you that they're just not improving. In fact, I think that, that the players that are on the floor right now are, are frankly are not performing as well as they were early in the season. Maybe that's because they're in different roles, as Al said, and that's clearly right when people get shuffled around. Roy Williams tends to shuffle players around in the lineup. I mean, that shouldn't be unusual, especially for the guys that have been there for a while. The bench shrinks, the lineups get, we play bigger lineups, Carolina play smaller lineups. I mean, there, there are shifts that happen, and they always happen, seems like, around this time of year. And the teams generally get better, and this team has just not gotten better. And so, you know, where are the issues? The first issue is there are no outside shooters. The, the, and that's, that's not a knock because there are guys that are clearly capable of it, but the, the confidence right now is, is at a low. In fact, 6 for 14 against Georgia Tech was pretty good, 43%. And at a time when it seemed that Georgia Tech was making every three that they shot, they only went 6 for 14 and we're at 43% for the game. So that wasn't what did it. In this game, it was the interior defense. Interior defense had been pretty good. Uh, I agree that Baycott is looks like he's hobbled. I think he only had 16 minutes in that game. A little bit of foul trouble, but that wasn't really it. Did not look himself on the floor. But that's where you need these athletic wings to come in and really be able to dig down and, and play on the interior. And we didn't see that against Georgia Tech. Frankly, I don't think that we've seen that in the last couple of games. The other thing that really is concerning is the the kind of end of game mentality, the fighters mentality. You know, against Yale, that's a game that was salted away and a couple of bad plays in the last minute, and all of a sudden that game gets close. Same thing against Georgia Tech. That's a game that starts to it, it inch its way toward single digits when we're coming down the stretch and it looked like in the last two minutes nobody wanted to take a three and that's a time that you can force three. Let's get some shots up. And and these are just the kind of of the mental hesitancy that you see on the floor that I think is a confidence thing. And if they don't start winning games against these these opponents that frankly aren't as good, they're not going to be able to build that confidence for this very tough second half of the schedule. Yeah, the next I'm I'm just looking at the schedule now, and the next seven games are all imminently winnable. Uh, you've got Pitt at home on Wednesday, uh, the all important Clemson game on Saturday, at Pitt at Virginia Tech, uh, home against Miami at NC State, and home against Boston College. NC State is probably a top ten team in the conference. You could argue that all the rest of those teams are bottom five. Um, 
Allie, if I if I was just going to give you a crystal ball, uh, we're assuming maybe Cole Anthony comes back. I would say realistically, maybe for the Miami game. Uh, what what record would you give the Heels for that seven game stretch? Because just from my perspective, it needs to be at least five and two, if not better. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think five and two is realistic. Um, Miami is definitely not afraid of coming to Chapel Hill. Uh, and I almost expect a loss in that one, even in a down year for the Hurricanes, which Laranaga is going to get them up and is going to get them to play well. Um, and NC State and Raleigh, a bunch of, even though State has done their traditional full year at the beginning of the season with a very weak non conference schedule, and then as soon as they hit conference play, turns into, they start turning into dust. Um, you know, the moment they walk into PNC and see uh, North Carolina on the chest, it turns into something different. So uh, I think two losses there are realistic. But from there, I mean, they've got to hold serve the rest. They've got to hold serve the rest of the time, um, even against Virginia Tech. And um, I don't know. I mean, if they if if you don't if you don't get through that stretch, if you don't get through that stretch five or two better, uh, five or two five and two or better, um, then you're staring at the back half of the schedule with a trip to Tallahassee, then hosting Duke, then going to Winston-Salem, hosting Virginia, going to Notre Dame, going to Louisville. Um, You pretty much any chance of confidence is going to be sunk in that second half. And with someone like Cole Anthony, who who would come back, would feel like he'd have to force it. you know, you, you, you've got to start getting some, you've got to start getting some momentum. You've got to start getting some uh, guys with confidence to the, where at the very least they know what their roles will be to the point to when Cole comes back, you can shift Francis back to the role that he should be right now. He should not be the lead point guard. Like Roy even said it uh, during his press conference that he got mad at Francis a couple of times the way he was running the team. And then he remembered that he hadn't played basketball in two years you know, he should not be playing the minutes that he's playing. He should be realistically a guy who plays about five minutes a game the time that Cole Anthony gets to sit on the bench, and that would be perfect for him. Uh, if you get everybody else on the court that's comfortable in their roles and what they're supposed to do, and you get to the point to where they – it'll be uh, – the offense moves a little more freely with Cole in, uh, in a position to where um, – defenses have to account for the fact that Cole will be will warrant defending then it will make life easier for the rest of the guys on offense too because the defenses won't be quite as tight on them yeah and what I kind of wonder about is just the way Roy Williams teams typically tend to gel about this time of year um I mean obviously the injuries have harassed that so you know we we might be looking into February when that schedule does get extremely an extreme amount tougher, um, you know, that, that could be the point where they could actually do that. But if you bring Anthony back, is there a situation where he and Francis run together? Because quite frankly, I mean, Black has not been quite right all season. Uh, Robinson's been a nice piece, but I could see a situation where they just wanted to get that extra ball handling on the court so you can at least penetrate because this team can't shoot. Um, Joe, am I crazy? No, I think you're exactly right. And in fact, I, and you know, Al, I understand your point, and and I think you're right with with 
Francis being out of basketball and would be rusty and we wouldn't expect a lot from him. But frankly, he's been the second or third best player in the last few games. I don't think you can take that off the floor. So I I agree with you. I, I think that that he stays at the point guard because I don't see him at the two. I think Anthony works over to the two. And, and Roy, of course, has a history later in their careers, but has a history of moving point guards who can score to the two. He did it with Page. He did it essentially with Barry when he moved Penson to the forward point for point forward for, for them. So that's happened. It happens in his offense because they're running. And so I see that happening. And, and it's going to either be probably leaky then at that point coming off the bench so that he can rotate in with a little time at the point, although I know that's not been super successful, but that probably puts him on the bench and puts Robinson at the three. And then you've got Bacon and, and Brooks. And I think that right now that's their best lineup. And in fact, before he got hurt, I really thought that Anthony Harris was working his way into the lineup and that Carolina would go with this really kind of hybrid lineup where you had Harris, uh, Francis, and Cole Anthony. I would have liked to have seen those three on the floor at the same time. Um, obviously not going to happen now. But, you know, at this point, you've got to get your best players on the floor and not your best players from a perspective of who we thought was going to be the best in August, but your best players from who is producing now. And I think Francis has to be one of those guys. My concern with that is the idea that he's played really well. There are going to be a couple of issues with that. One, um, Cole Anthony is a very ball-dominant point guard and is used to being the ball-dominant point guard. How well, even in this state where he knows that now it's just about him getting a uh, showcasing that he can do it and easing him back into it. How well does he take to being the two as opposed to the point guard? And two, the more Francis plays and the more teams can get tape on him and see what his tendencies and his limitations are, you know, he's good now. How much better is he going to be when um, teams are able to scout and kind of adjust for him a little bit? Uh, adjust for him a little bit more and understand that that position is not expected to bring a whole month, uh, a whole lot of offensive punch. I mean, generally, Joe, I do agree with you. Um, I do think that, and I don't think that, I think the only thing that we differ in is I think you want to see that as the starting lineup. I don't think you're going to see that as the starting lineup, but I absolutely could see maybe 10, 15 minutes of it a game. Um, and maybe a little bit more to start as you try to ease Cole back into it. Um, but I do wonder if it's something that you can play the majority of it with, because you do at least, you, you may lose, you may lose some offensive punch with uh, B-Rob and Leaky Black out there on the floor, but it is also a trade for defense. Um, and, you know, say what you will, uh, maybe those two are not, aren't providing a great offensive punch right now, but they, I think they, do typically grade out better defensively than, uh, and that's just something that numbers sometimes don't show as well as you know the points that you scored when you're on the floor. And, and my, yeah, my, I think and I my, think you're right, Al. Well, that's right. But, but, um, my my counter to that counter argument would be that uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Francis is also going to improve just because he hasn't been on the court for two years, like Roy Williams said, like you said earlier. So I think getting him 
minutes, I mean, probably benefits the program going forward more so than just reverting him back to maybe five to seven minutes a game, you know, like Quentin Thomas uh, behind Ty Lawson or something. Um, but that, that, that's just kind of, that just, that's just kind of my thought process. I would say the biggest issue here has been that both of the grad transfers just kind of have flopped. Um, is, is there any hope for Justin Pierce or uh, Christian Keeling? Because I'm looking at the numbers now. Uh, Keeling shooting 38% from the floor, uh, 20% from three, which he was supposed to be a three-level scorer, able to attack off the dribble. We were really excited about he and Cole Anthony kind of running that together. And then Pierce has had his moments, you know, had a big game early on against UNCW. Um, I mean, he's sitting there at 24% from three and not much better from the field. Can we expect anything from them going forward? Yeah, so uh, Pierce is the guy that I'm optimistic about. I think on Saturday he was really out of position because Baycott only played 16 minutes that put Pierce at the four for a lot of the game and he was just outmatched particularly on the defensive end and in, in even on offense you know he gets out of position he's playing against a taller guy that's just not his game he's not a dribble drive guy he's a, a you know kind of a step and pop guy and so that's that's just a bad environment for him to succeed you know he is one that's really suffering from the lineup because let's just be honest this team has no shooting guard, and this goes to Keeling at this point, but the, the team's got two point guards that we think are good, if you include Anthony. It's got a couple of wings who really are natural threes, I think, at both uh, Robinson and Leaky Black, and then we've got some interior folks. And that kind of puts Pierce as a little bit of the odd man out, right? Is he is he the third three, or do you rotate somebody over? Because that's really where he's going to be successful. Keeling is the one that I think has had a lot of opportunity because the team has not been great outside, because of where the injuries have occurred uh, at the guard spots and his opportunities to step in and be able to play the two. And he has just not made good decisions. His shots are not falling. That's caused him to try to force things on the offensive end. And that's led to a lot of mistakes. There were a couple of critical mistakes that he made in those last six minutes against Georgia Tech when the, the lead was was really whittling down and Carolina was making a run and he gets two possessions in a row that he makes bad decisions. It's a bad pass or it's a charging foul. Just back-to-back bad decisions. He's got to find a way to settle down. And the way for him to do that, I think, is to come off the bench into a more comfortable environment where he doesn't have to be the scorer and he just hasn't had a lot of that opportunity. And so for him, I really worry about where he is. I think that Pierce is the one that's got more upside and that he's the one that I think could continue to grow as the season goes on. But again, he, he's got to be in the right position. But there's a bigger need for Keeling than Pierce. So, um, Al, are you just out on Keeling at this point, or am I being a little bit unfair? Because I, I, I understand, you know, the CAA to the ACC is an adjustment. But, you know, really, w- just based on the positional strengths and weaknesses of this team, if you give us the Christian Keeling we were expecting, this team is probably doing a little bit better than just treading water at this point. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, for one, if he makes some shots, they probably do end up beating Georgia Tech. Uh, they probably look a lot more competitive um, 
against either Ohio State or Virginia. Um, and, you know, their, their net rating isn't in the hundreds right now. Um, yeah, he's not, the, he's absolutely not the sole cause of it. Uh, but to label what he, he's done so far as anything less than a disappointment just is being outright dishonest. That said, he's a shooter. You know, that's, that's what he's supposed to do. And sometimes all it takes is for a few shots to go in and for that confidence to build. Um, we had similar concerns with uh, Kenny last year. Um, p- folks don't want to remember this, but Marcus Page got off to a really slow start his senior season. It wasn't until the very end that starts, uh, shots really started falling for him. Um, and, uh, you know, he's until someone else on the team shows consistent offense, especially uh, from the three spot up, um, he's going to continue to get chances, you know, and a lot of it may just have something. It it may not only be a problem with the competition, it may just be something as simple as the fact that, yeah, he's a three point specialist. And then the NCAA decided to move the three point line, a not insignificant amount of distance back. Um, And there've been more than a couple of times that I've seen him. He wants to set up for his side shot he got he uses the line as a guide or uses the arc as a guide and he ends up stepping out of bounds so he's clearly still adjusting to that as well trying to grasp the Carolina offense and trying to get shots to go in at the same time putting pressure on himself realizing that he needs to make his shots to make this transfer worth it to reward the faith that um to reward the faith that Roy has shown in him um you know, and and that can be overwhelming for some folks. But you know, he still has he still has a lot of time. And I think in a lot of ways, what Joe suggested may be what what's needed. If he can see, if he comes off the bench, and he has a five minute stretch where he's not a liability on the defensive side, and he gets a couple of threes to fall down, that could be what he needs to to turn it around. So I don't think it's I don't think it's beyond repair. I don't think with any three point shooter it's it's ever beyond repair because sometimes you just you just need stuff to go in. Well, guys, um, I guess my final question here, Joe, I'll start with you. Is it going to go in? Is it, is this going to turn around, or is this just a season that uh, we're we're just going to have to wash away? Because you have Cole Anthony coming back. Um, you're going to run into the issue where we need to kind of establish some chemistry as the schedule toughens up. Do you, do you see this team making the NCAA tournament, or do you think uh, this season is a wash? So, you know, the one positive out of the Georgia Tech game is they figured out how to score. Uh, so they obviously only had four points through the first, I think, 10, 11 minutes. After that, they put up uh, 79, and, and that would have been their second highest total for the season. So that uh, alone, and that was through 30 minutes, they had their second highest total of the season. So they learned how to score. They also learned that if they can put a little pressure on, they can speed up the tempo, which they've not been able to do out of just playing half-court defense, even with playing good defense. They've not been able to do that, and that helped them generate points. The catch-22 there is when you try to run and when you try when you try to run out of a, a half-court or a full-court press, and when you try to exert that kind of energy, you're going to wear your big guys down. And that clearly happened to Garrison Brooks, despite his superhuman effort. Uh, that's not going to help uh, Baycott, who we feel like we need on the floor. And so those are folks that are, again, the big guys are getting hurt 
from playing that kind of up-tempo pressing defense, but it showed me some glimmers of hope. I think if we're all being honest, the truth is, is Anthony going to come back in three games or is he going to come back in seven games? And that's a big difference. If it's seven games, they're then the season's going to be lost because they're going to lose too many of these next few close ones that they can win, and then they're going to run into some superior competition without any confidence. If he's back in three games, then maybe they get one of the three, maybe two of the three. I don't think they beat Pitt twice, home and away. And so if they can do that and get him back and then you know have a few that are winnable games early, and start to build some momentum, then we could see a team that that is able to put a little bit of a run on, makes the tournament, and and could even put a scare into somebody. But I think that that's really dependent on whether, as we started out, whether it was the four weeks or the six weeks. And, uh, Al, I I know there's a tweet from Roy's radio show to – uh, tonight, actually, where he said uh, they were not going to rush him back. So based on that, I'll ask you basically the same question. You know, what what's the upside for this team? And I've got to ask, what's the downside? I mean, I've already <clears throat> I've already alluded to it. I, I mm-hmm. think there's a very real possibility that if things just continue to go south, fans do have to accept the fact that um there is an outside shot this team wouldn't even make the NIT. I think that is a maybe a 5% scenario, though. Um, I think what you're probably looking at is more like a 2010 scenario uh, where they just can't ever get the same folks that they need on the floor at the same time. They don't – it takes them too long to gel, and they can't string enough together to get to the NCAAs, but they do get into the NIT – um, and they can make a run there, uh, if, especially if Cole is healthy and back. He'll use it as a chance to he'll use it a chance to continue to showcase himself. All the games will be all the games will end up beyond ESPN. He'll get to be in New York uh, if they make it all the way deep. Um, but then the best case scenario is, you know, you could be looking at a you could be looking at a 1990 or a uh, 90 or a 2000 type of Tar Heel team that struggles in the beginning, uh, comes together enough to where they get themselves a low seed in the NCAA tournament, like an eight or a nine seed, um, wins their first game, and then becomes the team that a one seed just doesn't want to play because they're complete, because they've gelled and they've come together. And then all of a sudden uh, this year, especially this year more than any other, where it there doesn't seem to be a completely dominant team um, they they manage to get the right matchups and they go on a run. As bad as it has been, there's also an outside shot that this team still ends up making a decent run in the NCAA tournament if things work together and come together just right. I want to drink Al's bourbon. Whatever Al is drinking, <laughs> that's the one that I want. I will say I think the NIT I think the NIT slash early NCAA ex- exit is probably. the most likely scenario, 5% is missing it altogether. And so then you've got the other 15% is things work out just right to where they end up making a deep, a deep NCAA run. It just, 
you know, if this were, if this were, you know, a couple of years ago, I mean, if this, if this were last year, if this, if this exact scenario happened last year, I would have zero, I would have, I wouldn't even be putting it out there that the team could make a deep run because you still, you have at least some dominant teams at the very top. You have, you have Virginia, you have Duke, um, you have team, you have dominant teams at the top that there was, they would have no chance against. Um, but even during that ridiculously hard non-conference slate, when we now know that Cole played some games hurt, they were competitive and they, they, they hung in there. So, you know, if you can't, I mean, especially with it being early January, you know, there, there've been too many instances where you have teams that look like they're just left for dead. And then all of a sudden everything just miraculously starts coming together and they, uh, they start, they start going on a run. Michigan state's got a hallmark for it. The Kentucky teams that are full of these top freshmen or, you know, something Cal uh, will do. Uh, they get left for dead. And then all of a sudden, by the time the NCAA tournament run, runs around, they've got it together. They make a deep SEC run. They get a decent seed. So it, I, I don't think you can completely rule it out. Uh, and and that, that's the reason we're on this podcast. I, I think we are, at best, cautiously optimistic. Um, the way I see it is if you get to 500 in ACC play, the Heels are sitting in 1-2 and two now. Uh, got a great chance to get above 500 over the next seven games. You, I mean, with the non-conference slate that they played, I, I think they would be a shoe-in, even if it was like as, you know, one of the last four in as a 12 seed or something. If they can make, you know, if they can gel enough to squeeze out nine more wins in the next 17 games, I think they're going to at least uh, at least be dancing. I mean, if they can get to 12, if they get to um, if they get to 11 and nine or 12 and eight in the conference and they string together and the majority of those wins in conference come with a healthy Cole. So then you've got the committee that's looking at the ref, the record with Cole versus without Cole and they say, okay, Carolina's playing significantly better. Look at the games they had with Cole. And then they go into the ACC tournament. You know, they somehow they still sneak in and at least get one by and then they win a couple of games and make it to the ACC semifinals. And none of this is I mean, they this team has a win over Oregon. They were competitive uh, they beat Alabama. They got into an early hole against Michigan, but then started to come back to where that game was competitive. Like they, they, this team has shown signs when they have the most people. And keep in mind that was before Francis or Harris even played a minute. They have shown signs that they actually have the talent. They have the ability to play. It's just they can't get everybody out on the floor at the same time to to make it a difficult read. So I just I, I'm hesitant to completely write off the season. Um, even as bad as they've looked the last couple of weeks, just because there's 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 just so much that's up in the air right now. Yeah, so just so we're clear, I'm an optimist. They were down twenty seven to four with eight minutes left at home against a Georgia Tech team with a losing record. Just the dose of reality for us. That's all. It's an uphill climb. And the same year that they won, the same year they won a national title, they lost to Josh Pastner in Atlanta. You, you know, you you just. I get it. This is not the national championship team. 
you know, uh, Justin Jackson is not walking through that door. Joel Berry's not walking through that door. But um, if they were looking like this with Cole Anthony out on the floor, I'd say write the season off. With him on the bench um, and showing what the team has shown, um, I don't – at this juncture, I don't think you can roll it out. But as if the worst-case scenario happens where uh, Joe says that it's more the six-week side – and they only go five and five through this early part of the slate. I'm I'm going to lean towards writing the season out. And for me, I'm going. We're 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 going to hit that ten win mark in the ACC, which means a 500 record. Uh, name brand alone, that gets us into the tournament, and then from there, you know what? At, at least we can uh, hang a banner for being in the tournament because this is between the banners. Um. Mr. Carpenter, you wrote the Monday Hangover, and as of this recording, it has 37 comments on it, which, uh, you know, there, there are SB Nation sites that have a little bit more robust uh, commenter bases. Uh, we are definitely building in that regard. Um, do you have anything else coming to the site this week, or will it be a hangover talking about two North Carolina wins next Monday? It's a it's a hangover week. I, I will say that uh, – very, very impressed with the comments. Very impressed with uh, with the quality of the comments. The article is certainly not meant to be a criticism of any individual player. I attempt to try to analyze the play generally, but you know, when guys are not performing on the floor, I I think that it's only fair to be able to to call out where the play is not good. And there were a lot of comments on that, but I really appreciate it. And we got a lot of really smart commenters on the site, so. So look for for another hangover next week. There you go. I'll probably look for a hangover this weekend. Uh, Al Hood, what do you have coming to Tar Heel Blog this week? Um, I have signed up to uh, try to figure out what our lessons will be after the Clemson game on Saturday, which if the streak ends, um, that's just going to be a load of fun to write about. Yeah, um, I'm looking forward to the – quote-unquote staff meeting that we are having after the Clemson game. Um, I really need that to be a win because, you know, I love Linda's cheese fries. I love good beer, but I don't want to talk about ending the streak uh, with my friends here at Tar Heel Blog. Um, Other than that, I'm going to find something else to write about. But the biggest thing that uh, you people, you you listeners could write about is go to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and I will read it on the air. Um, go ahead and subscribe while you're there. Uh, if you get your podcast from somebody else, go ahead and subscribe there. You found us. Don't lose us. Um, until next time, we're looking at two Carolina victories this week. Book it right now. Heels are getting back to three and two in the conference. Keep it locked and go Heels. <laughs>